Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. This podcast is hosted by Railway Age's financial editor, David Nahas, president of Railroad Financial Corporation, author of the Financial Edge column, The Guide to Equipment Leasing, and the Railroad Financial Desk Book, Railroad Financial Corporation also produces the Rail Equipment Finance Conference. Take it away, David. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is David Neha. I'm the financial editor for Railway Age Magazine. This is the Rail Group On Air podcast recording. Today, we're lucky enough to have three uh, senior executives from some operating lessor companies. We've invited them to participate as part of completing the uh, Railway Age Guide to Equipment Leasing which is going to be in the June issue. We've asked these three executives to participate in a little Q&A with us that's going to also be published in the June issue of Railway Age. We're lucky enough to have with us Paul Deasy, president of Chicago Freight Car Leasing, a Sasser family company, Jeff Lytle, president of Rail for CIT, and Greg Schmid, managing director of Rail for Residco. Gentlemen, welcome, and thank you for your participation. Paul, uh, let me ask you question number one. And then we'll just go through the remaining four questions in order. So how deep do you feel the current downturn is in the operating lease market right now? It is deep. I think that uh, if um, we're similar to others, we look at uh, broad numbers and in industrial productions and manufacturing certainly is way down. But if you look at it from a carload standpoint uh, a few weeks ago, um, a significant volume decline in short order was uh, in aggregate down 30%. So that is uh, even lower than the low experience in Great Recession. So it is uh, very significant. And uh, we uh, certainly uh, are talking on a regular basis with the shipper community relative to where um, they feel things are. Uh, some are seeing more than a 30% downturn. Um, uh, the nice uh, part, though, is that most are thinking that uh, they could see a fairly rapid recovery, but that's to be determined. Okay. Do you feel, uh, Paul, that there will be fundamental changes in the lease market related to the mix of softening demand? And then when you add that into uh, the previous impacts of PSR and the potential for modal change, that, that will ultimately have a permanent impact on rail car demand as you see it today? Uh, we, as always, expect continued investment in technology to improve scheduled railroading. And uh, it could in, it, there could be certainly um, technology that uh, shifts things from rail or to rail. I think in the near, near term, though, I would expect um, the shippers to really utilize their historic modes of transportation for the most part. Uh, you're well aware, David, that uh, we um, have customers that uh, have well-honed honed supply chains and, uh, and and often need rail. Um, they don't have uh, the capabilities to bring product into storage via truck or have constraints uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I sure. think that uh, you know, you mentioned PSR. I think that, albeit that's had uh, some level of impact on the demand of rail cars because of better performance, 
um, but that hopefully over the long term is something that encourages more movements of um, product via rail. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, so, Paul, how do you think, uh, for, for how long do you think we can expect the market disruption that we're currently experiencing to? Uh, my crystal ball is probably no better than anybody else's, but I do, would say that, uh, you know, reflecting back during the, the Great Recession and listening to, to pundits, uh, we, we could really see a situation where it is a couple of years before we get back to the uh, peak levels over the, the last year or so. Having said that, we've had two cycles now over the last three and a half years where industrial production has uh, gone down. Um, so, but I think we're, we're going to have uh, challenges in uh, certain uh, segments uh, for upwards of two years. Right, right, absolutely. What, Paul, if anything, scared you about the future of rail car leasing? You're an industry veteran. You've been in the business for a while, as have all of our participants. So is there anything you're seeing today that scares you about the future of rail car leasing? We have a vast and productive rail network in North America. I mean, uh, no better freight network than, any, than anyone else in the world. Uh, but I do believe that we need to see a resurgence and commitment to leverage the rail network uh, for growth of this mode of transportation. Uh, rail obviously has lost uh, a little share over uh, a prolonged period of time. So I mm -hmm. think that uh, my, my hope is, is that we can figure out more ways to utilize uh, this, this you know, valued network to bring more product uh, on health. It's been a challenge, and I think it'll continue to be a challenge, but I think that, um, you know, without getting into too much detail, uh, we certainly have seen the constraints on highways, or highways, so love to see more on rail, helps rail car leasing. For sure, I think we, we would all like to see that. Okay, Paul, your, your question, um, and, and this is really, you know, a pandemic-related question. We're all uh, I think at, at, in this podcast, everybody is sitting in their respective home offices, right? We're all social distancing, uh, working from home, doing what's proper to do through this pandemic to try to stem the, the uh, expansion of the pandemic and to, to ensure the safety of, of uh, our coworkers and our friends so uh, and our families, obviously. So rail car leasing, specifically to that point, has always been a relationship-centric business. Do you see any changes in the way companies address their future rail car needs relative to that relationship-driven uh, aspect of the business? David, um, the complexity of the leasing business associated with the rail car supply, the repair and maintenance activities, regulatory requirements, it, it leads uh, to the need for strong communication and collaboration between the lessor and lessee. Um, I don't think this will change significantly, but uh, clearly um, the um, virtual and technology supported processes that are and will change to do more things um, that were maybe done in the past face to face and support the relationship will continue to occur. I think that uh, that that uh, we shouldn't expect that the basic way we manage our relationship will will change all that dramatically. Excellent. So
So uh, Jeff, uh, welcome. Thank you for agreeing to participate. Really happy to have the opportunity to speak with you. So I'm going to start off with the same question that I started off with Paul. Uh, how deep is the current downturn in the operating lease market right now? Yeah, David, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, join you on behalf of CIT. You know, we're seeing different levels of uh, what I would call resilience and pressure across the markets that we play in. Uh, notably, our food-related and petrochemical markets are uh, relatively sturdy compared to some others. But uh, in times like these, we really lean on our balanced exploration profile that we've worked hard to develop and so our strong and diverse customer base. Uh, I think both of those will serve us well. Uh, question number two, will there be fundamental changes in the lease market related to the mix of softening demand, PSR, and modal change that will have a permanent impact on rail car demand? Obviously, PSR and modal change having been in play as we approached uh, the pandemic. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I think the, the, the railroads have had uh, the benefit of a pretty low demand environment to emanate implement some of their uh, operational changes and what i'm hoping is that this will allow them to actually add capacity and grow their market share over time in terms of your, the question around modal change um, from time to time i hear about class ones demarketing certain lines of business and that's a concern um, um, my view is that it's uh, once you do that it's awfully hard to bring back that kind of business to rail yes absolutely it is quite the challenge Jeff, for, for question number three, for how long do you think we can expect this current market disruption to occur? Yeah, that's the dreaded uh, duration question. And so <laughs> it's a very difficult one to answer. Um, and I, I like Paul's comments. I think I'll leave the forecasting to the uh, experts out there. It's, it's really hard. Uh, what I can say is that uh, CIT's rail business, uh, you know, we're, we're going to focus on what we can control. Our leadership team has been through this uh, before. Uh, and candidly, I've never felt more prepared as we lean into this uh, challenging market. I think I'm going to send you all uh, containers of crystal ball polish when we're done recording the podcast. Uh, question number four is, uh, what, if anything, scares you about the future of rail car lease? Yeah, I'm showing my age here a little bit, but I, I've been around too long to be scared. Uh, instead, we're really focused uh, on keeping our employees safe and productive. Uh, and then really working closely with our customers to develop and de deliver rail car leasing solutions and also partnering with our suppliers to, uh, and this gets around what we can control, driving the lowest total cost of ownership for us. I think we're really well positioned amongst the leaders in the marketplace and with our young diverse fleet and very strong uh, deep-seated customer service, uh, I think we're well positioned here. Final question. Rail car leasing has always been a relationship-centric business. Uh, obviously, we, as I said, we're all sitting in our home offices now, and so a lot of that has changed fundamentally. Do you see any changes in the way companies address their future rail car needs relative to the relationship-centric aspect of the rail car leasing business following up on the pandemic? Yeah, great question. And I think Paul had a lot of uh, very relevant points in his answer. You know, there are a lot of efforts to market, um, let's just call it rail-related services, uh, certainly including leasing uh, online. And I think the uh, internet will, will be a distribution channel in the leasing space, but relationships still very much matter, and they're often tested and difficult 
operating environments like this. And we highly value our strong customer relationships and we all work hard, all levels of our organization to build on them uh, in these tough times. All right, Greg, let's begin with, with question number one. Uh, this is Greg Schmidt, Managing Director for Brazilco. Uh, Greg, in your, uh, from your perspective, how deep is the current downturn in the operating lease market today? Well, it, it certainly feels like 2009 where the whole world stopped just like this. I think there's like 418,000 cars stored right now. It's really bad, but um, it, it feels like it's going to uh, bounce back better. There's, there's more certainty that things will get back to normal. Um, so um, right now, re redeployment of the assets that I'm getting back is a rarity. Um, but it's happening. Uh, renewals for certain rail car types at lower rents are common. Um, so I'm, uh, um, it's as bad as it gets, but I'm hopeful that, um, like the stock market went down, what, a third this time, last time it went down about 50%. I'm hoping that the bounce back will be coming back stronger. That's a good correlation. Uh, already back up half of the drop of, of the peak of its drop off, I believe running about Dow's running about 25,000 right now. Uh, question yeah, two it's about 15% down. Yeah. Yes. Right. Exactly. Uh, will there be fundamental changes in the lease market related to the mix of softening demand, PSR and modal change will have a permanent impact on rail car demand from perspective. Again, PSR and modal change having been things that were already in play heading into the pandemic. Yeah, I think that that's the, the bigger piece of the puzzle. But because of because of the downturn, people are looking at things though, right? And um, supply chains are being reanalyzed, and uh, you know, inefficient plants might be not opened again now that they've closed. Um, you know, PSR, however, is a, it's a it's a longer term impact on the business, and um, the railroads have had plenty of time to fix um, you know their their theories on how to do it right. But until the, the railroads are forced to look at revenue growth, you know, PSR is going to continue to reduce demand for assets. And in particular, like my marketplace tends to be, you know, some of the older, the suboptimal assets. Those could, if you get them back, could be at a longer term risk of a long term storage for uh, redeploying the cars. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, for how long, Greg, do you think that the current market disruption is going to occur? So this is sort of the pandemic-related aspect of the impact on our marketplace. Um, there, there is new normal because of PSR. I mean, we were already talking about that in your meeting in, uh, in March. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, optimism because of the fear of PSR. But outside of that, um, I'm an optimist. I'm hoping Q4, Q1 things are going to get closer to, to normal. Obviously, there's certain marketplaces that unless oil comes up, you know, the, the 117Js are going to stay parked. Um, there is a lot of liquidity being put pumped into the system. Um, they're turning back on the car plants and inventories have to be replaced. Um, bankruptcies like Hertz might affect uh, demand, but then at the same time, grain might be helped over all the problems in South America with COVID problems. So um, uh, I'm hopeful. Well, somebody has, somebody has to have optimism, Greg, so we appreciate you having that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, never, never ending optimist, am I? <laughs> 
Well, Greg, if anything scares you about the future of rail car leasing uh, based on the perspective that you're articulating today? PSR scares me the most. Um, it's not just that they're becoming more efficient, which is going to reduce the demand for assets, but they're they're really squeezing the shippers bad to make sure that they are running on the bare minimum needed, not allowing them to have room for growth if a new opportunity presents itself. So they're they're punishing people with demurrage and things of that nature. Um, they're being discouraged from incremental business opportunities and uh, that lack of marginal interest in marginal opportunities might lead to some long-term contraction on certain car types. Um, until Wall Street really says you have to grow, uh, it, it might take a little bit of a while for this to uh, get back to improved demand for rail cars. You know, we, we can certainly say that Wall Street hasn't uh, changed its perspective much about that last uh, accounting. CSX was with about 12% of its 52-week high, even after the drop-off in, in loadings that we saw in their last uh, quarterly earnings. So um, <laughs> Wall Street's still, still steady, steady as she goes. <laughs> Uh, okay, Greg, uh, final question, uh, question five, and uh, obviously this, uh, this business that we're all involved in, rail car leasing, has always been a relationship-centric business. As I said earlier, we're all sitting at home, uh, social distancing, doing our best to keep uh, people safe. Do you see any changes in the way companies address their future rail car needs vis-a-vis -vis that relationship aspect of the operating lease business? What? Things have changed a lot the last just a few years. I mean, uh, there's funds and non-traditional equity investors, uh, bank lessors um, are, uh, they're, they're, are growing in the number of uh, uh, lessors that are banks that are interested. Um, I would say that uh, probably solving the customer's problems and working with them for replacement opportunities um, on uh, uh, being full on returns and how you might be able to do those things. Customer service in particular in the tank car business, I think is uh, it's becoming a very difficult thing to do in the tank car. So those kind of intangibles and relationships and um, I think are still going to be central. I think that it's interesting how there's more and more different types of lessors all kind of trying to do the same thing mm -hmm. but uh, there's definitely still uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be more money or less money that's going to be into this space because there's going to be some some pain over the short term for some of these lessors or all of us lessors and whether that's going to lead to uh, uh, some contraction or consolidation all right very good paul any final thoughts you'd like to throw in David, uh, maybe a question for you. Uh, how are you uh, reading the tea leaves uh, overall relative to investment in, uh, in rail cars? So we saw some, some pretty significant contraction out of the gate. So kind of draw the line after REF when the pandemic began. You know, that, that kind of mix of the rising cost of short-term liquidity, people's concerns about ending up, companies' concerns, really not people individually, but individual people and their companies' 
being concerned about getting into a liquidity crisis that was not dissimilar to what we saw during the Great Recession, I think drove a different trend in activity than what we have seen in the past, where, where companies thought the thing would just kind of readjust and resettle. So uh, there was a real allocation to short-term liquidity, and it drove liquidity costs up significantly. And because of the price of that liquidity and the kind of uh, not so uh, direct access or the feeling that there wasn't direct access to that liquidity, we saw companies move to the sidelines. I know, for example, Greenbrier was very vocal about it in their earnings call and even in announcements after their earnings call about ensuring that they get, say, a billion dollars in liquidity on their balance sheet just so that they could persevere. And from the bank market, we were hearing very clearly that they were focused on the short-term markets right now because that's what they were hearing from their customers. Even down to the odd level of companies drawing on credit lines and then turning around and redepositing the cash because it gave them a better sense of access over time. And that had an impact on, on companies that invest in the rail marketplace because people started to become, companies became judicious about what their attention was to the opportunities to invest that were made available to them. So we found that to be very interesting. Now, now the, the odd thing about it, or the more interesting thing about it, is that we recently heard, and I'm saying within the last 48 hours, from a couple of investors who have said that they feel that they have moved past the most intense part of the liquidity crisis, and that they feel that things are going to start opening up. Whereas I would say to you, 30 days ago, we weren't sure whether it would take 60 days, 90 days, or 120 days to start to really open up again. We've already started to hear that companies are prepared to open back up. Guys, thank you again. Thank all of you for your contribution to the magazine. Bill? Gentlemen, thank you so much. The Railway Age Guide to Equipment Leasing, authored by Mr. Nahas, our financial editor. Uh, it's the June issue. It'll be available digitally. And this podcast, of course, we have this is going across multiple platforms. So again, uh, thank you so much and um, good health to everybody and have a safe day. 